Ella J. Church of Christ in Ella J. Georgia presents a devotional discussion designed to help you stimulate your thinking on important topics in your Christian walk. Join us for the Roundtable Devotional Podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Roundtable Devotional Podcast. This is episode 11. And if you were tuning in last week, you know that we have a special guest back with us again tonight uh, for a uh, round two, I guess, second installment with uh, Brother James Barr. Uh, and he is... Uh, here with us, going to talk about a second favorite verse, maybe, or a, another verse that was integral uh, in his uh, sort of uh, spiritual journey, I guess you'd say. And, yes, sir. And uh, so we're glad to have him uh, with us again tonight. Uh, we thank you for t- for tuning in. And uh, of course, as always, is with me, uh, Jeremy Green, my illustrious co-host. Last week, I called you devilishly handsome. All you came yeah. up with is illustrious, well, but that's fine. We'll, we'll take it. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Other than the alternative. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is good to be with you tonight, and uh, we're excited to talk some more about God's Word. And, and uh, really, last week we uh, began with uh, with one of James's favorite passages, and then uh, this is sort of a, a lead-up or uh, lead-into uh, a, a the second part. And uh, James, if you want to go ahead and, and introduce your thought process and, and what this— uh, uh, verse is uh, to our audience. Well, as you say, it's a, it's a part two, and we did Hebrews five last week to discuss. You know that that's one of my favorites because of what it means to me. Mm-hmm. It, it was the beginning of a you, know, you call it a personal spiritual renaissance. It was sort of a rebirth, a, a kickstart. Let's get this in the high gear where I belong. Mm-hmm. And this week is Matthew comes from Matthew chapter 27, specifically verse 51, but we'll read some more around that to give it its proper context. But I chose this one because of what it means to all mankind. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have been here to talk about verse 20 or Matthew chapter 27. If I had not first read Hebrews five and it was Hebrews five and that conviction that made Matthew chapter 27 so special to me because it's one of the most seminal, pivotal, most impactful moments in all history. Yeah. So let's start. We're going to start in verse 45, and we'll go down to verse 54. The key verse in all of this is verse 51. So keep that in mind as, as we read, and, and we'll discuss the thought, the thought process there and, and why verse 51 uh, was chosen. So we'll start in verse uh 45 of Matthew chapter 27. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there when they heard it began saying, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed, and gave it him a drink. But the rest of them said, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, 
and yielded up his spirit. In verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. I uh, just sitting there. I get goosebumps. Don't you? Reading that. Can you imagine? Just put yourself there. That You're there and... You know, this is a, a huge event going on. It's not done in secret. There's a public crucifixion going yeah. on and everybody's gathered. And then all of a sudden, you know, that, it's that feeling, you know, when a thunderstorm comes up, it starts getting really cloudy and dark and ominous. You know? Yeah. Imagine what it must have been like for total darkness. This was no eclipse. I mean, it was utterly dark in the middle of the day. Yeah, and, then, and then you hear Jesus, you know, it doesn't say he whispered. He cried out with a loud voice, God, why have you forsaken me? And that moment you, you you see him give up his spirit and it said not once again with a loud voice you know he gave yeah. up his spirit and all of a sudden and you're going to talk so i won't spoil the talk but all of a sudden yeah. the temple is just ripped and there's earthquake and the rocks split and, and the bodies come up i mean just to, to, to be in that moment i can't imagine you know it says the centurion there was terrified just the the absolute uh, how surreal that event must have been. And it's, as you read it and go through the text, it's, it's chilling to even read about. Yeah. And imagine you're a priest inside the temple. You, you know what's going on. You, you've heard. Maybe you're part of the Sanhedrin. You were there when Jesus was arrested and brought in. You know he's out there on the cross dying. Suddenly, the temple veil that's been there for how many years is torn asunder. How moving must that have been to those priests who were there? Mm -hmm. But the thought process behind choosing this verse, it's, it's one, and you can see by all that's going on here that it's easily overlooked. You, you, you're reading through Jesus's death on the cross, and then you move on to earthquakes and folks rising from the dead out of their graves appearing in Jerusalem and then you move on to the burial and then his resurrection. It's so easy to pass over verse 51. But it's, it's what happens in verse 51 that affects all mankind. When, when, when I read this during, during this whole spiritual journey, reading through the Bible again, trying to gain all that understanding, so many questions popped into my head when I read this verse. I had, I had to stop. I thought, well, what, what is the veil? Why was it there? Why is this author, Matthew, pointing out that it was torn in two? And in, and in my Bible, there is the semicolon between the tearing of the temple veil and the earthquake, the earth shaking and the rock splitting. Why is he making sure we know that these are two separate events? Why is he wanting us to know that it wasn't the earthquake that caused this temple veil to be ripped? Why was it torn? Why was it torn in two from top to bottom? What was in front of that veil? What was behind it? What is the significance of the veil being torn? It's in here. It's right here in Scripture. There has to be some kind of significance there. So I got to digging. And oh, the context <laughs> you find 
when you start digging into something that significant. Because the context for, for verse 51 of Matthew chapter 27 begins in Exodus chapter 26. And there are many scriptures between Exodus chapter 26 and Matthew 27. But then you go on to Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10, to find all of the context that surrounds that temple veil being torn. And we can, if you want, we'll go ahead and we'll go turn over to Exodus chapter 26. Let's find out, okay, what is a veil? And, and maybe you have an inclination or you know in, in the back of your mind that, oh, well, I, I know what the temple veil is. But let's, for the sake of argument, let's say that we're finding out for the first time what this temple veil is all about. And so if we go to Exodus chapter 26 and we read there, starting in verse 31, and this is God prescribing the making of the tabernacle. So the, the veil that's here in the tabernacle, it's going to be the, the same principle that's in place in the temple. And start in verse 31, it says, You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. You shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, their hooks also being of gold, on four sockets of silver. You shall hang up the veil under the clasps and shall bring in the ark of the testimony there within the veil. And the veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place and the holy of holies. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the holy of holies. You shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand opposite the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south and you shall put the table on the north side. So here we see the prescription of what the, the tabernacle is supposed to look like and why this veil is there. It separates the holy place inside the tabernacle, inside the temple, from the holy of holies. And so that begins another series of questions. Why? Why the separation? Why, why would God prescribe a veil, a curtain, to keep people out? of the Holy of Holies. We know the Ark of the Covenant is there by this scripture. What's in there? We hear about the mercy seat. What's the mercy seat? See, all these questions come up and you have to answer them before you can completely understand what just happened in Matthew 27 and verse 51. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, let's talk about, and uh, Caleb, you can jump in here too if you want to. Um, I don't want to talk the whole time, but if, if you know, so there's a difference between old and new that has to be pointed out here, right? That's what's happening. And so yes. in the Old Testament, <clears throat> the only people that had access to God were the priests. Right. And so, um, you know, you have that, that priesthood. And so there's that veil separating. And the high priest is the only one that can go in and, and be there in the, in the, you know, the most holy place. And, um, you know, how, how special that is and how important. And you mentioned Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. There is that difference. There's that demarcation between the old law and the new. Well, now Jesus has become the sacrifice for all. He's our great high priest. And, and, right. and all of us, this concept, and um, you know, the universal priesthood of all believers, that, that all of us are priests. We all have direct access to God. And, and so uh, it's, it's really just completely remarkable to see how that old system was set on its head. But this, this temple in this most holy place it, it is two 
to Jews, it is the, the most sacred thing, the most sacred place in the world, because that's where God is. And that's so important to them. Right. And that's one of the things that makes verse 51 of Matthew 27 so important is that the tearing of that veil, what it means. And then you can go to, to Hebrews chapter nine. If you, if you really want to dig into all that's going on here, as far as the, the legalism behind the tearing of the temple veil, go to Hebrews chapter nine and read through there. And you'll understand what we've been discussing about. It was only the high priest that could go into the Holy Holies only once a year. And only if he took the blood of the sacrifice with him, that's how special this place was and how limited any human access was to it. Yeah. Um, another thing, you know, this is probably more than some people care to hear, but you know, we, we were talking about um, the Maccabean revolt in the intertestamental period. And right. this, um, you know, that really what started that was that desecration of the temple that somebody had the audacity to enter that place started a war. <laughs> you yeah. know, that people were serious. about. Right. Um, but, but anyhow, and, and Caleb, I, I think sometimes, um, and, and, uh, I did a lesson about this chapter uh, back in September. I know you all have detailed notes and remember exactly what was said in that, but um, it was, I called it when the world stood still and we compared it to events like nine 11 and the Kennedy assassination and really now the coronavirus, uh, you know, that, that these things that we will never forget in history, these, these life changing events. And that's what Jesus' sacrifice is. I said that <clears throat> Jesus' sacrifice defines us. It directs us and it demands our lives, you know, that, that this event and we think about, Jesus's death here, but sometimes, you know, uh, and, and certainly it, it is for us, we, we forget to think about to the Jews of that day, the, the temple veil being torn into might have even been um, more dramatic than the death of a human being on the cross. Yeah. Uh, to the, to the regular Jew, it probably was, uh, especially those that were uh, participating there in the, uh, in the sacrifices, the, the priests and, and various ones there at the temple, um, it, it probably was something of great devastation to them. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's important for us to, to get our minds around what it was like for them. Just even, you know, the fact that there was darkness on the earth for three hours, uh, a lot of their, you know, we're not real in tune with what goes on in the sky anymore uh, compared to what they were there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for their, their dating and all the, the different things, they were constantly looking at the sky for, uh, when to plant and, and all sorts of things. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, our mindset is so different, so far removed from that, that it, we can just easily read through that and say, well, yeah, the veil was torn, uh, but we miss the, the depth and the gravity of, of what it would have been to them. And uh, easily, um, you know, that, uh, the concept behind what it is, you know, the fact that, that God has, has removed himself from them as, as his chosen people, uh, you know, throughout Scripture, there's a lot of places where uh, garments are are torn. Uh, you know, the right. um, it was a sign of their mourning that they would tear tear their garments and and put on sackcloth and ashes. And and uh, you know, we have various <clears throat> stories throughout the Old Testament where that occurred. Uh, and here you have this this permanent tearing of uh, of the the clothing that separates God from man. Uh, and uh, of course, there's there's uh, to me, it's kind of neat to think about it from the the perspective of New Testament Christianity, in that God was uh, was separated from them uh, physically and uh, and in a way spiritually. Their their sins were rolled forward, but uh, at the death of Christ on the cross, we are, have the opportunity to become one 
and, and to be covered in the blood of the lamb. And, uh, and that makes it a much more intimate relationship. Uh, and uh, uh, so there's, there's so many things about this passage that, yes, it's very brief in Scripture, but uh, uh, certainly something that, that to them was, was huge. Well, and, and I wonder what they thought those priests who would have been in the temple when they saw that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I wonder if, if Nicodemus would have been there mm -hmm. inside the temple and he saw that veil torn in two, mm -hmm. all the questions that he had for Jesus, all that he was trying to understand, <laughs> what impact would that have had on the mind of a man like Nicodemus? And, and we know that later on, many priests believed. Mm -hmm. And it and very well may have been that these were the priests in the temple that saw that happen. It could have been that the understanding for them finally came. Mm -hmm. Everything that they have heard Jesus talking about, what is this hogwash about a, a kingdom that's not of this world? He's supposed to be delivering us from the Romans. And then the temple veil being torn into, and then maybe, just maybe they understood. He did. Yeah. The, that's tear it down and rebuild it. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Days yeah. in the temple. Uh. <clears throat> yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. And it's one of those things, you know, that is so significant and, you know, certainly not to lessen the physical death of Christ there, because obviously that's what, you know, his blood being shed is what cleanses us as Caleb said, but mm -hmm. the other things around it are, are, are so significant as well. It's, it's, it's a great shift and it's a change all the way from, exodus now to you know this is these people have been living this way for centuries and now it's changed and it's completely different and uh you go through and you know you read about you know we haven't even mentioned um the dead bodies coming up out of the grave and you know there's a lot of different things yeah. about that somebody asked me <clears throat> the other day after that lesson that i preached well you know what what happened to those people well i, I don't know um i would want i would be more interested in what happened to the people that saw those people you know if I, if or who yeah, who was it it says the bodies of the saints, but does that mean that someone like Abraham got up and walked around for a little bit? Yeah. Was it their physical bodies? Was it their right. resurrected bodies? These are the conversations that people have, but we don't know. We don't have a lot of information. <clears throat> we assume they're people and they came out and they experienced death again, but we just don't, we just don't know. But it's, you know, we read about Jairus's daughter and, um, you know, we read about other Lazarus, Lazarus. and yeah. other folks, you know, being raised from the dead, but, uh, you know, to, to have the, the, the tombs just open uh, at this and, and, and the, the earth literally shaking and the rocks being split and darkness. And it's all out of respect for Jesus's death, the, mm -hmm. the literal earth and yeah. life and death one morning. It reminds me in, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter one, and uh, I hadn't even planned on reading this, but it's just been reminding me of it. You know, in Hebrews chapter one, we get that introduction of who Jesus is, why he's better than the old law. Yeah. And uh, I love this in Hebrews one, um, starting in well, verse one. It says, "In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times, uh, and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory." the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins through his sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And so, you know, there is talking about superior to the angels, but all this, you know, 
this respect and this admiration, Philippians 2, that he is in the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow those on the earth and above the earth and under the earth. And this is this idea, the literal world here was mourning Jesus's death. It's, it's, a, it's, it's remarkable. It was enough to make a Roman centurion, a man who would have been very familiar with death, gruesome death, and being that he was guarding Jesus from probably from keeping his disciples from rescuing him down off of the cross, he would have been likely familiar with executions. But this man was so moved by what he saw happening that him and those about him declare that surely this was the son of God. And some folks would say, well, this interpretation maybe should say this was the son of a God. Regardless, it moved this man so much. He knew something wonderful, terrible, something mighty just happened. Yeah, there, there's a lot of debate about that, Caleb. I'm sure you've heard this too, that, that some have said, well, you know, he was... It was a great confession of faith. And some have said, no, it was just a show of respect. And some have said, no, it was just a final mocking. I, I tend to agree. I don't know how you feel. I, I sort of feel like that it was out of fright and out of, you know, terror saying, you know, we missed it. We mm -hmm. here we've killed the son of God. Well, I think you made the point the other day. I, I mentioned the darkness. Uh, you know, you talked about in your lesson that uh, that we experienced the eclipse a few years back. And, you know, that we, we had darkness for what, you know, a, a minute, two minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and relative, uh, and, and people drove all over the nation to get to that one little spot where they could experience it. Uh, but here you have three hours yeah. of darkness on the earth. I mean, there, there's no, there's no scientific rationale that you can come up with that would, oh well, we've experienced this before. You know, well maybe after you know a few minutes, but hours go on, and uh, and then for him to witness the earthquake. Uh, for him to see all these things, uh, the the fact that he died uh, on the cross that quickly, or however you know, in the time span, uh, you know, oftentimes the Romans were very skilled at their torture, and yeah. they knew just just how to get you to the line but keep you alive. And this was designed to be a public torture of uh, of this man and and the criminals on either side of him, and uh, yet he he cries out with a loud voice and gives up the ghost. Uh, and uh, then you have these events occur simultaneously. And the, the fact that it says, you know, truly this was the Son of God, to, to me, um, and, and, you know, whichever side you come on, on uh, how you view that, uh, the, the, there's other ways you could mock it and just say, well, he claimed to be the Son of God or, you know, all sorts of things. But the, the, the way that, that it reads to me uh, just strikes me as, as his awe of what's going right. on. Um, and the fact that he made a statement at all, um, you know, that's that recorded for us by the Holy Spirit, I yeah. think I think God included it for a reason, uh, and that it's there for us not to to have us mock the Savior in His death, uh, but to speak to the the witness of uh, what He had seen and that it affected Him that much. Um, I want to I want so I want to summarize kind of what you were saying, at least from my point of view, and then I want you to add to it and, and you know, clarify. This event, I guess for you, it was not only all the things we're talking about, but it was it was also a reminder of the beauty of God's plan, right? That, yeah. So we see here the temple, <clears throat> the Holy of Holies, this place where God dwells behind this veil. And then in this moment that Jesus dies for all mankind, that 
barrier between God and man is literally torn in two. That that gap is gone, and so we have access then to God. We we are priests, and we have that you know ability to connect with Him. And so it's almost here in a moment um, the the complete change of of everything. And it's almost um, and it is perfect symmetry because God's in control of it. And we we like to watch Disney movies at the house. Kids love Disney movies, but Charlie will especially love to find what we call Easter eggs, right? As you go back and you watch and say, oh, there's that little ball that was in Toy Story. And it's a different movie. When you look at the temple, the design of the temple itself, and you see that in the holy place, there is a lampstand. And one of Jesus' I am statements is, I am the light of the world. And inside the holy place, there is a table with bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then there is the veil. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we know that on the other side of this separation is the presence of God. And then we read in Matthew chapter 27 how upon Jesus' death, that separation, the physical embodiment showing us that separation is torn asunder. And it's not torn from the bottom. It's not caused by an earthquake. It's torn in two from the top to the bottom by the hand of God himself, showing us that it was Jesus who opened the way. And then you read in your Old Testaments in Exodus, and you see that there is this thing called the mercy seat. And you read in Hebrews chapter 9 about what was in the ark and what is the main item in the ark representing the old way, the law. And above the law is this mercy seat. And where is God's presence within the ark? Reigning there on that mercy seat. And we see that there is the plan of salvation, plain as day, God ruling in mercy above the law. And you don't find it unless you dig for it. And then and then the addition, there was a temple, but Paul says, Now you are the temple. And because of God's mercy, now now he now we are the place where God dwells. It's, it's awesome. It's yeah. chilling. It's chilling. It gives me chills every time I talk about it. Very good. Take us <laughs> home, G. <laughs> uh, it's always good to be together and discuss God's word. And uh, it's time seems like it flies by when we start talking. And, and I, I'm always surprised when I look down at the clock. Uh, hopefully it's been beneficial for you to join us this evening. I think it has. Uh, and uh, I know that... Uh, uh, James is an excellent student of God's word, and we appreciate all the time that you've spent uh, uh, spurring yourself on to deeper study. And, and uh, um, we are very glad that you've chosen to be with us this evening, and uh, hope that you'll like, share, and subscribe our podcast. And uh, you can find it uh, in audio form in all your favorite uh, podcast platforms, or on YouTube and our Facebook page. And uh, we hope that uh, that you have a great rest of the week. We're going to close out in prayer. Uh, and uh, we hope to see you back next week at this same time. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this day. We're thankful for the opportunity to study your word. We're thankful for the uh, blessing it is to be able to read about 
your son and his sacrifice on the cross and what it means to each and every one of us. Father, I'm thankful for the depth and the complexity and the the richness of uh, what you provide for us to, to learn about and, and the, the ability for us to continually dig and, and find more and more uh, clues to your power and your presence and and uh, your ultimate love and plan for each and every one of us. Uh, Father, I, I pray that if there's some out there that are listening to this or, or watching that uh, uh, that have not uh, truly seen the, the power of uh, your love for them in their life and, and uh, realize what uh, you have done for them in sacrificing your only son, that they would uh, begin to read through scripture, begin to uh, develop faith and belief in you and, and uh, turn that into action to truly commit their lives to you and, and to follow through with obedience and, and to be able to experience the the blessing of uh, being able to put your son on in baptism uh, the, through his contact of his blood and, and being able to have that intimate relationship with you restored and uh, to be able to uh, to truly understand what New Testament Christianity is and far, far better than the old law and the old system. Uh, Father, please forgive us when we fall short. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We ask that you like, share, and subscribe. And if you have topic suggestions for us, please contact us. You can find out more about us at the lajchurchofchrist.org. Also, this is available in video on our YouTube page, our Facebook page, and on Instagram. You also can listen to the uh, podcast version, just the audio in iTunes, on the Play Store, and at Anchor FM and several other podcast apps. Thank you for tuning in.